real estate investors from Florida, Georgia, and Texas. There's a big online event this coming October that you shouldn't miss. Discover new techniques on how to grow your business and thrive in the middle of the crisis in no time. Just simply go to www.realestateiq.co summit and sign up today. Hello, everybody. Welcome. I'm Kaylee McMahon, and today we're going to be doing week five of our It Doesn't Take Millions to Be a Queen series. So it doesn't take millions to be a queen. Um, we are talking about a beginner's guide to multifamily real estate investment, and I know it's supposed to be very uh, surface, but um, based on the current economy and things that are happening, um, it's, it's not. You know, So I like to share information if it's too much. The cool thing is um, we'll actually add it into the chat. We have a group that this will be recorded on. Um, and so if any time you wanna go back and reference any of the um, comments that were made during the video or, or anything really, um, you can replay it. So, uh, so icebreaker, what is my why? So this is something that is super important to me every time I have a meeting with my team, every time I have a presentation, anything that I do is to be very clear um, with everybody, uh, what is my why? Because my why, uh, or our company's mission, vision, and values is all related to the same thing. It's all what gets me out of bed every day, my driving force in life. And kind of once that is clear to you, your, your why, um, everything kind of makes sense. And it makes more, it makes it easier to have the long-term in mind and not make irrational decisions and be more conservative in the things that you do. And anyway, so it just makes, makes life better and helps you to have less stress. So my why is to create independence through cash flowing real estate, especially multifamily, but other real estate too, uh, for women in particular. Uh, because what that did for me was that took away my need for approval from other people. It took away my need to be controlled, not need, but the fact that I thought I had to be controlled by other people or I had to live in a certain place or make certain decisions, you know, whatever it is, or act a certain way. Uh, being able to have cash flow that comes in every month um, is is awesome because then you can just be your your true self and you're able to kind of live life the way you want to. And, you know, for me being able to slow down and have that freedom, it, it helped me to figure out even more so what's my specific why or purpose on this planet. And um, if, if you have children or whatever it is that your passion is in life, you can just have more of that, you know, if you have more free time because you have cash flow. So that is my my why. Um, so you mentioned before, Real Estate IQ is sponsoring today 45,000 leads every month. So if you are looking to get into investing, you're already investing, and you're looking at going from single family to quadplex duplexes, even commercial, there, there are so many different kinds of leads that Real Estate IQ has. Let's play this testimonial real quick. I'm here with Adam at Redneck Country Club at the Jet Lending event, and Adam has been using our system for a while. Adam, could you share with us your experience with our tool? Yes, yeah, so um, I love the tool. It was re it's really been very useful for me as, uh, as a new investor. Um, I don't have access to the MLS, so running comps was something that was a problem. Um, now that I have that the tool, I can run comps. It allowed me to secure my first deal um, and I'm going to market with it and look to 
um, because of the comps that I was able to run and get them for the right price, I was able to secure a deal that's probably going to profit me somewhere north of fifty thousand dollars. Oh, fantastic! And by the way, we uh, can also help you market your deal too, Adam. Uh, thank you so much. And guys, our deal analysis suite is only fifteen dollars a month, and it's got unlimited comps all over Texas. So make sure you take advantage of this special right now. Thank you, guys. Okay, that was awesome. Now, here's for the introduction. If y'all have been trailing along with this series every week, you already know what's coming up. But uh, speaker for today is me. Uh, oh, forgot. There's a poll. So y'all have to do the poll. I'll give you a minute to do it, about 30 seconds. And again, if you want to be entered into uh, the contest later, a raffle, you need to fill out the, um, the polls. All right, hopefully everybody finished that. Okay, so again, if you've been trailing along with me every week, you kind of already know who I am. Uh, founder of the Apartment Queen. Um, it's actually, now it's 731 doors. Uh, assets under management as general partner or key principal. Um, each deal is different uh, for your role in that deal. Um, and then also I have, like I explained earlier, a passion for helping others to create independence. So that's really my driving force every day. Um, like I mentioned, that, that deal that's up and coming, um, pretty much there are experienced women and uh, one inexperienced woman when it comes to multifamily, but she is like a total baller when it comes to um, systems and management and running a business plan. And you know, she was in, incorporated at Microsoft, you know, team managing. Anyway, so um, I'm looking to obviously help other people on my journey uh, to be able to succeed. So um, she is helping us fundraise and then taking care of all the systems and operating uh, all of our convention systems. Okay, everybody. So first thing we're going to talk about today, we're talking about, this is going to be a, a, a big nerd session. So there's a lot of numbers, a lot of data in this. And so um, if at any time something's not making sense, as you go along, just put it into the chat box, uh, the Q&A, so that way we can, um, we can address it at the end. Um, so I'm just going to go through this and bear with me. Four shocking facts. So as of May 15th, the United States um, equity markets are trading much slower. So equity markets is a stock market. So um, it's been crazy hot um, in a lot of people. That's why it's a shocking fact to me because a lot of people think it just stopped or it tanked. It's actually still trading and it's still positively trading, but it's just going much slower. Um, number two, shocking fact, uh, 25 million unemployed predicted by Goldman Sachs. And again, this is a, as of May 15th. So things have changed a little bit and actually because of the... Um, Paycheck Protection Plan or program, sorry, that's been out. Um, there's been, I think it was 20 million jobs that have been saved. Um, so I've been able to keep people employed um, on my team. And, you know, I wanted to do everything I could, you know, slowing their hours at first, figuring out what was going to happen, and then kind of going back to where we were as far as, you know, keeping them um, in the office and doing things. So um, that was predicted, and it's gotten a little bit better since May 15th. Um, remember how earlier I mentioned that it's going to change literally week to week? So um, I put this together last, last week. Um, but anyway, so it's a little bit better than that now. But it's still, it's a lot of freaking unemployed people uh, that's predicted. Bercadia, so that is a brokerage house, a loan originator uh, for multifamily, um, and they have uh, economists in-house. They have the whole shebang. So um, just for example, this is crazy. So for the month of April, they sold 900 million in sales versus 1 billion sold the same time last year. So you're seeing that not just is the equity market or is the stock market slowing down, but so is multifamily sales because they're, they're somewhat related, not hundred percent, but somewhat related. Um, so that's just a crazy drop, but there's still deals are still going through. Uh, they're still happening, but just as a very, at a very slow rate. 
Um, and again, um, April um, has, has had two times more delinquency than normal. Um, so delinquency uh, is meaning that someone, or it's delinquent slash bad debt is what we call it multifamily. So somebody that um, is slow to pay or no pay or, um, or skipped or, or whatnot, but um, they're not paying and where they normally would. So it's, it's higher than normal. And then 6,000 loans um, are delinquent. Um, and delinquency in this case um, means that they are actually, uh, they filed for forbearance and they've gotten approved. So 6,000 loans are in forbearance. Um, this is commercial loans and 26% of those are CMBS loans. Um, so that's multifamily um, loans. And then also sl uh, small balance loans are the next, uh, the next category that we're seeing are having issues um, when it comes to having delinquencies in their payments of their, their mortgage. Um, again, week to week, things are changing and, and talk to me in a month or two months and things are going to still be, be different. So, you know, what does that mean? Like I mentioned earlier, stock markets are trading slower. Um, people have incurred painful losses. Even my father, you know, who had, he works for Boeing and he's had a lot of his, um, his retirement locked up in the stock market. And, um, you know, for a while, it, honestly, consumer confidence is really, I think what controls, um, the stock market. And so obviously we've had a huge drop in consumer confidence. And so, you know, he had, um, his retirement locked up in there and he lost luckily only 20% because he was, um, on the West coast where it kind of started happening faster. And so he took that as a warning sign, pulled some of it out and moved it elsewhere. So I think he only lost 20% of his uh, retirement savings, but I mean, that's taken years for him to build up. So I, it's, it's sad, but anyway, it's trading slower because people have uh, received painful losses or gone through painful losses, uh, not having their um, IRAs self-directed, you know, they were invested on their behalf, you know, in a mutual fund or something like that, that tanked. Um, and it actually will take 20 years. So if my dad didn't do anything and didn't take that money out of there and just kind of saw, incurred the full loss of what happened in the, in the market, you know, I've had friends that lost 50% of their retirement savings, depending on what they're invested in. Um, you know, for them, it, it's going to take them 20 years to return those gains. You know, it's, that's crazy. That's, that's sad. Um, so, but I also want to put it out there that um, because we don't have control of this uh, virus and we don't have control of per people currently, um, I'm not saying that it was the best thing in the world to be locked up, but um, even with uh, the, the really, really hard restrictions that we had to deal with staying home and not being able to go anywhere and work and whatnot, um, in two months, 90,000 people on the, on the planet still died. Um, and so now uh, everyone's out and about and I'm, I'm looking at people and, and at the gym, no one's wearing a mask, you know, I'm, just the staff is to protect themselves while they're at work. But I mean, people are being really reckless right now. So it's definitely indicative to me that uh, we'll have another round of COVID hit in Q4. So the stock market's going to get hit again. Um, and I don't know what that looks like, but right now you can kind of see some trends trending up. So if you purchase at a low, I think, you know, end of summer, you're going to like, well, August would probably be when I would probably sell, but at the top is where you want to. So anyway, I'm not a stock person, um, but I just know that you have to be very careful and watch it. And most people are not day traders, so they don't know all of the ins and outs. Um, so another fact is that unemployment, like I mentioned earlier, is super high. Uh, but a good thing to talk about um, is the effects that we have seen from you know, the $1,200 stimulus that every, every individual got, um, the Paycheck Protection Program, um, the economic injury um, loss 
de uh, de declaration uh, bonus or grant that you could receive on top of an SBA loan. Uh, all these things that are happening um, because of the government and the land us landlords supporting our tenants. Most of our tenants have been able to meet the rent obligations for April and May. Uh, actually, in, for both months, we've been we've been higher collected than we ever have in the past because we've been putting extra effort into it. So, you know, giving people pizzas and, you know, not having uh, late fees when they don't pay at a certain time, working out with them, um, uh, promise to pays, things like that. So people have been able to uh, maintain their housing, including, including all my friends and family that I know of. Um, there are some signs, though. Um, or there's some signs that uh, increased testing and protocols could allow certain impacted communities to begin physical tours and move-ins again, but the depth and length of the impact of COVID is not clear. So again, uh, if people decide to continue to not make a change uh, like we were mandated to do, we're, not, we're no longer mandated to, if you don't keep with those changes, you're at a huge risk. And then you're also, I hate this, when I'm working with clients now or my uh, agents are working with brokerage client, or not brokerage, but uh, residential clients, and they're trying to look for a place to live, um, I have mandated that we do everything digital. I don't really care if the client doesn't like that. They can work with somebody else, but I would hate it if, because the, like the effects of COVID is not clear long-term that I would put them at risk, you know? And I just don't, it's not that a lawsuit would, would scare me or whatever, uh, cause it's a virus, but the fact that, you know, I didn't care enough about other humans. I cared more about my business and more about my pocketbook to um, not take care of them. So there's, Luckily, we have technology and there's ways around, you know, not uh, there's ways around uh, affecting people's ability to stay well. So I'm like, I'll stay at home. Um, I'll get on my iPad, go there myself, do a, do a tour, you know, um, and do what we can. So um, we've also been doing that on um, on our properties when it comes to um, we'll we'll let if it's a vacant unit, we'll let the tenant. We don't go any show any um, occupied units. If it's a vacant unit, we'll let the tenant go in then they see it and we stay outside or they stay outside and then they come out and then we enter with Lysol spray and keep the place super clean um, in between showings. And then also we've adopted a, like a Matterport tour or a virtual tour. So on our websites, we're working on a couple properties, not done, but getting, you know, a 3D rendering of a model unit that we have so people can see exactly what they're going to be getting. Um, so you just have to be flexible. Um, so I know that there's crazy amounts of unemployment, but if people will allow themselves to make smart decisions and to pivot and figure out ways that, you know, I used to have coffee with this person every Thursday for a business networking group. Okay, now I've created an online digital one that's global. So I've got ladies coming in there from the United Kingdom, uh, Dubai, all, you know, all different places and walks of lives and whatnot, which actually helps you to find people that you align with better um, and connects us on a global level. So. Uh, you just have to pivot and then um, there's definitely work to be had out there. Um, sales volume, that's another shocking thing that we've seen. Like I mentioned earlier, super decrease for Burkadia, for example, because I get their, um, their market reports. Um, so acquisitions or new loans um, remain right now between 5 and 10% uh, of applications. So seeing that like sometimes there's refinances, uh, there's other kinds of applications. So that's a really low percentage um, compared to what it normally is or what it had been, I guess, before COVID hit. So um, it's obviously, like I said, slowing down. Um, they were actively quoting others in early stages as buyers and sellers. But then again, as people evaluate the most recent rent collections, that really decides people's behavior and where, what's going to happen to sales volume. So again, you know, the virus and the mandates and the effects it has on people affects their, their confidence. 
So when people are more confident, they will, um, there will be more loans happening. Um, so a more competitive loan um, now for every agency loan. So agency meaning uh, multifamily loans that are with Fannie Mae, Freddie Mac, multifamily. Uh, they're more competitive for mission-driven deals. And so a mission-driven deal is something where, um, depending on the level of rent and the level of income for the area, if it's a property where the income, or not the income, the, the amount of rent on the unit is uh, below um, the market rents, um, those are, and they're going to continue to stay that way. Um, that's, or like, for example, there's ways that you can make operational changes and be able to make more money as an operator, but not necessarily have to bump the rents. Um, so, and you're not section eight, but it's just, you know, a property where, um, it, it's mission driven. So you're dealing with a certain demographic of people who need housing. So loans will be more competitive rate wise, um, terms wise, et cetera, for those deals. Um, so Freddie Mac, uh, SBL small balance, uh, did also roll out a few temporary, uh, credit changes. Uh, related to current market conditions, including no path forward on deals with over 25% student or military concentration. Just want to put that out there because normally like people, I've, I've even been asked in this time period, hey, do you want a, you know, a student housing deal? And I'm, you know, normally I just say no because it's not great, but then my mind was thinking a little bit about, okay, you know, the lender doesn't want a certain concentration of anything. Like they don't want a concentration of military students because those people leave in droves, you know, and they don't want that to affect their ability to collect their, their mortgage. Um, and so they rolled out. So I was thinking, okay, student housing might be great because right now, like anything uh, that's knowledge uh, or, or school education, that's not going anywhere. And anything that's tech, that's not going anywhere. Uh, but they did change the loans to where if there's a larger than 25% student or military population, basically um, SBL um, will not lend um, on any of those deals. So uh, just be cognizant of that again, if you're looking at a deal um, or even if you're looking at investing in the deal and maybe that's on their plan as, as far as kind of what they're going to do, it's not going to work, you know, and so that there could be problems there. Uh, and you don't ever want to really have your money tied up with something that's not going to move forward. So um, delinquency, that's another thing I mentioned earlier that we're seeing. And so you can see here the track between retail, hospitality, healthcare, multifamily. Um, so multifamily remains relatively strong comparative to the healthcare, hospitality and retail industries. Uh, multifamily rents remain strong um, from 1.1 to 2.3% delinquent for an increase, like I mentioned earlier, of two times the normal uh, delinquency. But again, we I don't know what time of month that, that stat was taken or in what month it was taken um, because for us, you know, normally we, we report our rents by the 15th of the month and then people that are not paying by the 4th, they're, you know, being evicted and the normal thing is not normal anymore. Now we've given people an, op an option to not get late fees or receive late fees for paying kind of whenever they put down their promise to pay on a document with their ID and a signature saying that they will promise to pay. So I don't know when the link, if it was after the full month of, you know, March, April, but delinquency is up is what I'm saying. So um, from early analysis, it appears uh, for Fannie and Freddie. So those are the two uh, non-recourse agency loans that we usually use. Um, the, like I mentioned earlier, smaller balance loans are being delinquent first. Um, and then um, CMBS, um, so uh, that's, that's a certain type of lender. I don't want to get into all of it, but basically their larger loans are re reflecting more of a strain um, on delinquencies. So these are the ones that we're going to see kind of pop up first uh, when the uh, lenders are going to be clearing up their, their balance sheet at the end of the year and giving um, operators like me who've been opportunistic putting money together um, to get involved and to kind of save somebody from a situation where they're becoming delinquent. Um, 
so new supply for me as expected this is something else that's you know changed in the lending world so apartment developers are facing a slowdown in construction which which that, that just makes sense so i've had an offer to do so many different types of development deals uh over the last year and a half or so uh and i, I just thought that makes no sense I, I had to say no like five to ten times a week you know and i'm just like why would you develop something right now i don't understand because you know people aren't usually paying these things in cash out of their pocket so they, they can't necessarily make certain draws to put in certain renovations or whatever it is that they're doing to build. Um, and then, you know, if lending changes, the climate changes and they get stuck with a building that's half done. I mean, this happened on my street. There was a, um, there was a developer that was building a house, different deal, but same idea. Um, and because there was an issue, I think it was an internal litigation problem. Uh, the house just sat there forever and uh, not forever, ever, but a year and it was open. So the garage wasn't put in, the windows weren't put in. So after so much rain and so much, you know, cr so many critters and bums get in there and whatever, you know, the house just basically got bulldozed. So um, uh, just saying that if something sits for too long, uh, it becomes a cash sucking problem, you know. So um, the reason why that the new supply has been um, slowed down or kind of shut off uh, is because CDC workplace guidelines are taking place where you can't have as many people in one place at once. So if people are taking proper precautions, you know, your subcontractors and people that are building, for example, there, there has to be less of them. So less work can get done. Uh, varying stay at home orders. Um, so that's slowing down your construction because it depends on, you know, where the person lives. Are they, are they in Dallas? Are they in Houston? Um, I've seen different rulings in Houston, different rulings in Dallas as far as the stay-at-home orders, you know. So um, so that's also causing a problem for new supply. Uh, permitting delays are happening because government offices are, have been either shut down or have very limited hours. Uh, there's moratoriums on construction. I haven't experienced any of that, but a friend of mine that was doing some projects in Dallas and some very large, tall high-rises, people were just very freaked out about people coming and going. And so they just basically told them, get out of the building. We don't want you guys to be renovating. And so that's, you know, got the project pretty stuck. Um, and then also a possibility that could cause new supply to stop is a lack of materials due to the disruptions in supply chain. That's been a big issue, why we've had issues with, um, you know, food, not shortages. We really don't have a shortage of food, but delivery to like, I buy at Sam's Club and, Sam's Club and Costco, for example. And I noticed they're out of a lot of things. They don't stock things because there's just some supply chain issues because there's so many different places that, foods are coming from varying anyway won't even get into it but um deliveries this year were in 2020 real real page forecasted is 366,000 units to come online so meaning new units to be built um in q in q1 there were 70,000 delivered so i mean if you do the math you know multiply that by you know four that's that's where we're tracking at right now so it's saying that deliveries are expected to be around 250,000 says uh, Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac um, and that's according to NMHC, uh, National Multifamily Housing Council, uh, after they surveyed 135 uh, apartment developers. So um, obviously, like I mentioned, it's slowing and there may be a point depending on what stage in the process the developers were at, if it's going to stop or if it's going to just completely just kind of stay humming along at a very slow rate. We'll see. Um, but I'm really glad I didn't start building anything new. That's, that's not something that I do in multifamily. I stick with stuff that I assume stuff hits the fan tomorrow it's still cash flowing. So uh, the business is still viable. Um, and I already put this slide up last week, but I wanted to refresh it a little bit. So I did cover last week that when it comes to non-recourse debt changes, um, that the reserves 
uh, are in place. So it's six to 12 months. Um, and it's also varying on many other things too. It can actually be nine months, um, but six to 12 months uh, P&I escrow reserve. So what that means is you're going to have to take whatever amount of pay, uh, principal and interest that you would pay for six to 12 months and you need to put it aside in an escrow account that you can't touch. And so basically there's also other restrictions on the sponsors, like how much experience they can have more than normal, no first time sponsors, uh, rate lock is variable, uh, but that is possibly going to change. Um, and so the updates that I put in here was that um, following a period of lower weekly production over the past three to four weeks, Freddie Mac has indicated that they intend to increase production significantly. And so that means because they're not doing enough business, they need to figure out a way to do more of a safe lending type situation like reserves and make sure that you have experienced sponsors and whatever, they can increase the leverage amount and that's what they're doing. So last week when I talked to everybody about this, um, Freddie and Fanny, as of last week, I believe Monday last week, um, they said that the loan to value ratio, you could waive those reserves that you had to have if you were under 55% leverage. Uh, Freddie has changed to 60%. And then I actually didn't update the slide, but as of this week on Thursday or Friday, I got an update now it's 65%. So we're, we're getting there and they're becoming more competitive because um, again, if anyone can be flexible in this time, you're going to get ahead of everybody else. So uh, Freddie Mac looks like they're um, attempting to do the most amount of sales volume during this time or anyone that, uh, is a dust lender or someone that uses Freddie Mac slash anyway, the, the agency itself uh, will, will do well. So, um, and then uh, the DSCR also, that's something that for a certain time period, again, it changes per loan, how long that period is. Um, but like I think some are nine months and whatnot, if you have um, your debt service coverage ratio, so meaning um, it's, it's you looking, you're looking at what you have to pay in, in mortgage expenses, um, uh, payment or sorry, principal interest. Uh, so you look at your P&I basically, and then figure out where your cash flow relates to that. And the ratio um, above your your owed payments that your cash flow covers is your debt service coverage ratio. So, um, you know, the the deal I mentioned earlier, it's it's over two uh, DSCR. So it blows these minimums out of the water that they are um, expecting that people can find in a deal. All, all you have to have to qualify for a multifamily loan is, is some kind of income that is over uh, 1.25 DSCR. So when you're looking at something that has a large spread between what you owe every month and what you're making every month, um, that is probably some of the best stuff to get involved with when you're not sure about what the economy is going to do next. Um, uncertain times call for certain proven money capital. So I wanted to bring this up. This is another thing that's changing in lending is that not only are we looking at the possibility or personally, I'm looking at the possibility of doing agency debt, which is great. But um, what I'm seeing uh, or what I'm seeing is the opportunity for debt funds. For example, I've talked to a few funds here in Dallas, Fort Worth um, and other areas that they, it's their money. So it's their capital, it's their own private investors capital. So they can kind of do whatever they want with it. So if you're finding a great deal, um, these are the types of individuals that are still going to be able to to lend. And when you're looking at, you know, the the Great Recession or sorry, Depression um, in the in 1929, 1939, um, that was a time period where people that, you know, independently wealthy people were the ones that stimulated the economy. So it's kind of the same thing. Um, and actually, now we have many other avenues to, to do this via, um, you know, the exemptions that we use with Regulation D. Um, so you can basically pull in private capital with a Reg D offering. Um, 
you can also easily, you know, you can also do the same thing with crowdfunding. Um, and then that is actually about to change at the end of the year. So it's going to be a larger amount you can, you can crowdfund. So what that does is takes individuals capital and pulls it together to, to help stimulate the economy. So um, this may be a time period where it's, it's a good time to look at uh, different sources of capital. Um, so what about the future um, in lending? Um, well, I, I assume, like I mentioned earlier, that when COVID hits again, we'll see the same trend. So if you are studying, like I was, kind of what happened to lending, why it happened, what they wanted to see put aside as reserves, they, they lowered the leverage, all these things, uh, and then basically what trends you're also going to see repeat when it comes to renters. So um, again, this is covering multifamily specifically. Um, 88% of renters made a full or partial payment um, as of 513, so it's up 85%, up from 85% average from one month ago. So this is not my average. My averages are over 92%. Um, and then, yeah, they're, they're in the 90s for every single property that we have. So, um, so everyone's different, but that's the average. So actually payments have been better. Uh, because people have been receiving their stimulus money. I think companies are figuring out how to pivot and still do business. They're creating different jobs. Um, we're just trying to figure it out, you know. Um, and then surprisingly strong collections have been attributed to, like I mentioned, enhanced unemployment benefits. So the extra amount that everybody can get on top of what normally they would get. Uh, renters continue to prioritize rent, which we expected. That's why I invest in multifamily. People have to have a roof over their head and they have to eat, you know, to survive. They, they have to. So whether, like I mentioned last week, they get smart and they get like three roommates or whatever, and they move into an apartment from a house that had a mortgage and taxes and insurance. And I know I just had to pay a few, you know, tax bills on some houses I have. And I'm like, this is ridiculous. So, you know, someone that may not have a job and having to do that, that's just not going to work. So they'll move into an apartment, um, but uh, with more people, which is fine. Um, so uh, enhanced unemployment benefits have allowed renters to continue to prioritize rents. Um, operators such as myself, we've been flexible and proactive in collecting rent. So again, we are offering, you know, not to charge them any kind of late fees. We're offering to pull stuff or pull money out of their deposit accounts. We're offering to be creative. And, you, and in these times, you, you got to be creative, you know, because you got to keep the business flowing. You got to keep your people. Um, you got to keep your employees as much as you can, you know, without disrupting the business business, of course. Um, some um, operators are reporting an increase in renters taking advantage of alternate payment options, payment plans, credit cards, etc. So that's another option too, whether it's, you know, we really have gone down all the avenues of what they can do to pay the rent and they still aren't making enough to cover it. Uh, we can figure out, you know, a way to essentially do like a deferral of, of their payment and then split it up over so many months once, you know, once, yeah, so we can split up over so many months. Um, and they can also do the same thing with credit cards. So um, between the various asset classes, um, C trails A and B in collections, um, but only by a marginal difference. Like it's, it's very small. Um, however, here's the new trend. So one, one trend that's not noted on here is that we always, or we always usually see a lot of concessions in class C housing or workforce housing, like what I do. Um, and actually the trend over the last um, eight years has completely flipped where there are more concessions on A-class properties. And I can't explain the psychological reasoning behind that. Um, but so that means that in the C-class housing, we're not having to give up you know, so much of our profit to get people in there, people already want in there. Um, so that's great. And then when it comes to now rent collections on A-class, um, the difference is that A-class, um, 
is increasing availability, like I mentioned earlier. So they have to have more concessions to get people in. So concessions meaning one month free or, you know, give you an iPad or, or whatever it is to be able to get people in a class. Um, and, and trending in a class tends to be younger professionals and some that are finding alternate living arrangements uh, or they're finding alternate living arrangements, roommates, like, you know, they, they leave the really nice apartment. They go find roommates to live in a house together or another, you know, smaller apartment. Um, they work from their parents' home, et cetera. So um, that provides a lot of the change why people are leaving a class um, because, again, they, they have other options uh, and they can um, just save themselves the money. And um, then when it comes to the increase uh, in class A is expected to cause those operators to pursue renters in class B segments. So, for example, someone that would leave an A class they're going to go to B. And, and this is something that we've been saying for a long time, but when you really look at the research behind um, the difference in um, delinquencies, collections, and basically who is uh, the amount of people that are occupying, uh, so the vacancy, we'll just wrap it up there, the vacancy that you see ABC properties. Uh, we always have said that, um, you know, C has like the most vacancy, but in comparison to A and B, it's like, you know, 2% vacancy in C class and one point eight five you know in in b class and in trending the other way you know less less vacancy let's see what i'm saying like it's a very marginal difference so it's it's not something to freak out about um the most challenging metros that we've seen in this time period so far and again we're not it's been march april and we're now at the end of may so this is as of this week so we pretty much are looking at a quarter worth of data um so I, I find a quarter of data to be pretty reliable, um, but we have seen um, struggling metros like New York, New Orleans, Las Vegas, Los Angeles. So what that means for me is that people are, are moving um, because maybe they don't want to do business in those areas anymore. They no longer can collect rent because of the, and, and we already buy this way anyway, where we work with rent friendly or not uh, landlord friendly, tax friendly and business friendly states. And, and those are usually not, except for usually Las Vegas is. So it's really interesting to see um, how people have told me how cyclical the market is, and it really truly is. So uh, they've had problems there, but better than average performance and expected performance in Texas, the Carolinas, and some Midwest metros. Um, and then the other trend when we are looking at those markets that are not having any problems at all, which, you know, I've got a few deals that are this doesn't apply to at all, but it's Texas. So Texas is awesome. Um, and uh, so what they're seeing is that the concentration in those cities that have a lot of tech, government, defense, and I'm going to add in their education, those are the areas where people are not having challenges um, when it comes to collecting rents because people are able to stay employed. Um, so um, like, for example, Austin, Texas, while it is overpriced, that would be a great opportunity to get into in the next couple of months or the next you know, two quarters. Um, because it's got mainly education and tech. So, I mean, it's, it's not going anywhere. When COVID hits again, you know, you're going to see these trends again. So what I think is going to happen is we're going to get a little bit of consumer confidence. We're going to ramp up. Stock market's going to ramp up. Everyone's going to start doing business again because everybody just so, so badly wants to go back to how things were. And then this is going to hit again, and it's going to be worse uh, because what we had was, I forget, like, like a single digit number of or 13 original cases or 15, something like that, really small original cases. And depending on the person and situations, there are super spreaders and there are people that are uh, just spreaders, if you will, or carriers or whatnot. So now, now we have 90, like not 90,000, now we have 90,000 deaths on the planet. And then plus we have hundreds of thousands of people that have been sick or are sick um, currently. And so um, then it's just a multiple effect after that. So I just, like I said, I'm, you know, I'll go to the gym and I'm like, 
you know, scrubbing down my nose with like antiviral wipes and stuff, like just trying to, you know, be crazy, but you know, I'll be okay. You know, it's, it's the, the immunocompromised and elderly people that need to take care of themselves like they should have from the beginning. Um, so, but anyway, you'll just see these trends happen again, um, I think. And then again, because unfortunately I've heard a lot of reports recently from other um, residential brokers, lawyers, things like that, that there's an increase, like a very high increase in the amount of, of divorce filings. Um, you know, people that are kind of losing their mind. I mean, I'll be honest, like last week, uh, there were several different, um, really hard to deal with things happening in my life all at the same time, you know, in, in addition to this. And I felt a lot of despair, you know, I felt a lot of like, you know, cause there's no solution, um, to it. So, I get it, but um, you know, people may get into the mindset of like, not this again, you know, and it gets worse. So I think that this is gonna happen again. Um, and so therefore, um, kind of preparing yourself for it to happen. So for me, when it comes to getting ready for that, it's again, stacking capital and working with private investors who say that they would like to get involved in a deal that is, I can't say recession proof, but it's recession resistant. Um, and we have so many different, you know, backstops and um, stress tests that we put in place to be able to prevent all the problems that we would have. Um, but I mean, historically over time, multifamily has been the one asset class over everything that has continued to perform. Um, there's a few others like insurance, for example, um, and that, that might be next for me, but um, in some healthcare, but anyway, but as far as like real estate goes, which I think most of the people that are on this webinar are probably interested or already in real estate. So this is my last question that I have. Uh, who is interested in being qualified for our next multifamily investment? I always wanna ask that um, because you know, like at the beginning when I mentioned everyone can deal pitch or whatnot, you absolutely can. Um, but um, our next deal is going to be an opportunistic one. Um, so I've been searching and searching and searching. And if you're interested, uh, go ahead and either pop in the chat box. Uh, if any of the moderators could help me out, if you'll pop in the chat box, um, I have a group. Um, it is on Real Estate IQ's website, and I believe it's called Apartment Investors or something like that. It's the only one when you search um, it's Marketplace then Groups something that says the word apartment in it. But if you go in there, the recordings of the webinars are gonna be in there. And then I actually have a quiz if you're interested in being qualified for our next investment that you can go in there and you can take. Um, or if you want to leave your email in the chat, um, I will grab those and um, communicate with you after the webinar about like how the, how the quiz works and how, you know, whatever questions you have to answer those. Um, but if you're, if you're interested, you know, leave your email or um, go into the chat and go look at, um, the website that you can get to for um, for our uh, our group and the quiz. All right, um, maybe like ten. Awesome, thank you, Kaylee, for all that great information. Again, I'm um, just right. to show those of you um, who are new to Real Estate IQ, or if you have not yet been on our community. So what you want to do, I'll share my screen here, is you want to go to our website, which is realestateiq.co. And I, my computer's going a little slow right now. There we go. And up here is community. So we have a community feed and we have the community groups. So just go to Real Estate IQ, go to Community Groups, and then you can find Kaylee's group. You can put in Apartment 
in the search and there it is. So please come um, up here where my name is if you have not yet joined. There will be a, a place here where you can sign up for the community and then you can join the group after you sign up. So please do that. And that's where Kaylee's gonna post all that great, great stuff and information. Um, if you don't know about Real Estate IQ, we uh, have everything you need to find and analyze deals. The focus is mostly residential, but we have some things for commercial as well. So our deal analysis suite lets you run your own comps. Uh, we also have a couple calculators for you and that's just 15 bucks a month. So if you're looking at any um, single family properties, you can also comp multifamily and commercial, but that's not usually the main basis of analysis, but you can use it for that as well. So just 15 bucks a month. Um, we also have off-market leads for motivated and distressed sellers. And these lists are updated every day directly from the courthouse documents. Um, so these are the 10 different lists that we have. The ones that have the asterisks by them come to you with the skip tracing already done, which means they already have phone numbers and email addresses for the property owners. So you can contact them. Our county data finder lets you create your own list to market to. So here you can do any kind of property um, because this comes from the county tax record. So everybody pays taxes on the property, no matter what type. So you can limit your search to out of state owners, um, high equity. You can limit your search by subdivision, zip code, city, whatever you're looking for. You can find the commercial properties, mobile homes, vacant lots, all of those kind of things. That information is all in County Data Finder. And those are all part of our deal finding suite, along with our MLS deal finder, which searches for properties listed on the MLS that are below market value. So that's where you're gonna find some good equity properties if you're looking for those. Uh, we also partner with ROI Muse Deal Analysis, and that's a really advanced, but yet really easy to use commercial and residential deal analysis tools. And you can find out more about that if you go to our website, our realestateiq.co. And up here is tools. And you can get more information about any of those things. And also, I believe that we have Jason Nonito is here and he can help you out if you want to see a demo of Real Estate IQ or have questions and want to get them answered right now. Uh, go ahead and put something in the chat and he can meet with you right after this. All right, so Kaylee, I'm gonna turn it back to you. Oh, we have freebies, forgot the freebies. Uh, we have some, um, some free reports. We have some heat map reports, kind of tell you where the deals are. We have our deal of the day, which is a live deal on the MLS that you could make an offer on or just kind of use as an educational tool to find out what's going on in the market. So if you're interested in any of those, please do that, um, put that in the poll. Or like I said, if you're looking for that deal finding training, one-on-one -on -one, we can help you with that as well. 
If you guys have it, admin at theapartmentqueen.com. That's my email. Uh, again, you can also even DM me on Instagram if you want. It's at theapartmentqueen underscore. So thank you guys for coming. I appreciate it. All right. Thanks, Kaylee. Thanks, everyone. For webinar schedules, follow us at our official social media accounts or visit us at www.realestateiq.co.